Hey, Chosen Girl fam. I'm Liz. I'm Sarah. And welcome to the Chosen Girl Tell Me About It podcast. We are two best friends passionate about having real conversations about where real life meets the gospel. Meet us here every Tuesday as we go to God's Word about different topics we all face. No matter if you're in the car or doing laundry around the house, we hope that you feel like you're sitting right across the table from us enjoying your Chick-fil-A sweet tea. Yes, girl. We would so love if y'all would take the time to rate and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget about our free resources on our Instagram and at thechosengirl.com. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, Sarah here interrupting your normal Chosen Girl broadcasting to drop a little Easter egg surprise in here with a promo code from our sister company, Poppy's Boutique. If you've heard me talk about my job or even how Chosen Girl got its start at all, then you've heard about Poppy's. Poppy's is a women's boutique that offers clothing and accessories, really unique styles for a not-so-boutique price. So, because you're a Chosen Girl listener, you're going to get 15% off your next Poppy's order with code CHOSEN15. That's CHOSEN, C-H-O-S-E-N, 1-5, in all caps, no spaces, on the Poppy's Boutique website. You can shop unique, affordable boutique clothing styles at shoppoppiesboutique.com. That's shop poppiesboutique.com p-o-p-p-i-e-s now back to our show welcome back chosen girl fam we're so excited to be back you guys know that we love to have a special guest the last week um, of the month and it's so crazy that august has flown by this fast um, today it's just me. Liz is just here. Sarah is gone. She is um, in the process of moving and God has been so gracious, but this is why it's so great to have great people in your corner and have a team where we can rely on each other. So this week it's me and I've brought a special guest, um, Riley Young. Say hi, Riley. Hey, chosen girl community. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> why do you sound so awkward? I don't know. <laughs> This is new for me. So you all might recognize Riley. He was on our um, our relationship series that we did back in October of 2020. But for those of you who don't know us, um, Riley and I have been best friends since we were um, probably, I guess, freshman year in Coach Shockley's uh, social studies class. Yeah, getting through geography, passing notes to each other. He thought we were taking notes, thought we were really studious. We were the worst students, actually. But we still passed with A's. We got it. We came out with a friendship. (laughs) No geography knowledge at all, but... No, it was a wild time. (laughs) But you all might hear us talk about um, Riley sometimes. He's also Sarah's husband's cousin, so we've all grown up together. But one of the things you may not know if you didn't listen to that um, series that we did back last fall is that Riley is a youth pastor. Um, He's been in this role for a long time, and it's been such an honor and a blessing just to see him grow and watch how he disciples young people um, year after year and help them grow into just some of the best young people around. It also makes me feel old when one of the youth today (laughs) was like, I'm 17 today, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm almost 27. I'm 10 years older than you. Some of my first youth kids are working jobs and graduating from college, so (laughs) I feel ancient. It's so strange. But um, just to get us started, Riley, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about what it's like being a youth pastor, and then we'll dive into some questions. Um, As you said, my name is Riley. Um, I am seven years in 
to my youth ministry. Wow. Um, I got hired technically when I was 19, right on the cusp there. I turned 20 before I officially started, though. And um, I just kind of had to wing it for a long time. And um, But it was awesome how God brought me here. Um, I'm leading youth at the church that I grew up in, and my mother and her brothers grew up in, and my grandmother actually has been here since she was a teenager. Um, so we are very much, uh, we love this church, obviously, and um, very honored that God's called me here to get to serve in such a cool way. Yeah, it feels like it's like a family affair. It is. My, my <laughs> grandmother is the secretary as well, so she kind of runs the place. That's true. We don't do anything, me and Isaac. It's just grandma. <laughs> Miss Sammy is literally a saint. You cannot convince me otherwise. True. <laughs> um, well, that's so great, and I love that um, you have that history here. And, oh, my gosh, what a task to take on at 19, almost yeah, 20. I mean, I remember when it happened, but it doesn't feel like it was seven years ago. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, y'all, um, we, we've we talked about discipleship here on the podcast before um, in one of our seasons, I think either, I think two seasons ago, um, but we don't always talk about what it's like working in ministry. Um, you all hear, Sarah and I use the term all the time that we're side hustling it for the Lord, and we're always happy to do it. But um, I think it's also great for so many of you, you may be involved in your youth group, or you may be a volunteer, or you may, you know, be a church part-time secretary or whatever it may be. You probably have some role in the, in the ministry outside of your own um, but I thought it would be great to just talk about some of the, the ups, the downs, the joys, the hardships of being in that role, but ultimately that it's always worth it. Being, you know, doing the kingdom work is so rewarding. So, Riley, are you ready for a series of really tough questions? Sure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, you told us a little bit about how you came to be a youth pastor, but what did that call look like for you? Um, for me, it was confusing. Um, I was in college, and I kind of had my career path set. Um, I was going to be a middle school teacher, and um, I just felt called to change my major. But I also had been getting a just this call. I felt like God was telling me that I was going to be the youth leader or youth pastor at this church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. I loved the youth minister at that time. His name was Mike Murphy. Um, he is a mentor to me to this day. Um, and he really is the person who kind of set the building blocks of what I wanted the youth to be like, you know, nowadays, you mm-hmm. know, he, he set that standard. Um, but you know, I was running from this call cause I didn't think it made sense. It felt mm-hmm. selfish to me. Mm-hmm. to want to be here when there was someone doing such a great job here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I got my my affirmation when I was at a youth conference that we still go to today. Um, and he came and started praying over me and prayed for my call to youth ministry, and I'd never spoken that to him. I hadn't really spoken it to anybody because it didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just trying to avoid it at all costs. And so that God told him, that he was calling me. And that's when I was like, I need to listen. And little did I know that Mike had actually, they were planning on leaving to start their family um, in a different part of Tennessee. They had some family things going on and they needed to move and they felt God calling them away. And he had put my name in with the session and it just, it kind of all fell into place. So he kind of prayed for my call in January and by May I was hired. 
And wow. by March, I knew that I was going to be interviewed. And like, it all happened really quick. God kind of threw me into it. <laughs> it wasn't a long wait. It was, um, it was quicker than I expected, though. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh (laughs) Um, So what's one of the things that you, like, what did you expect this job to look like? Um, Easier than it is some (laughs) days. Um, You know, you think of a youth minister as being someone who just makes a fun game, does a lesson, maybe orders pizza, gets some soft drinks, and just is here. But, um... You know, I expected it to just be kind of a Wednesday, Sunday thing. But then you get into ministry and realize that. And for those of you listening, if you're in ministry or have family in ministry, you'll know that ministry isn't really a thing that can truly be part time. Mm -hmm. If you're called to ministry, you're called to a life of ministry. And so, you know, and I love my call. And, you know, youth ministry in reality is being available nearly 24 Mm seven for a a heartbroken teen calling you for advice or someone needing a place to stay or needing a ride from school, going to games, you know, checking in on them when they're sick or when something happens in their family, congratulating them when good things happen. It's, you truly become like an extension of the family, it feels like. Mm -hmm. And that's really rewarding though. So it is, it is a consuming <laughs> job, to say the least, but it is is well worth it. Oh, for, for sure. sure. For I, sure. I want to, I almost laugh whenever we talk about being an extension of the family. I think Riley called me one day, I was at work, and I was like, where do you, he was like, yeah, I'm getting some of the boys. I was like, aren't they supposed to be in school, your youth kids? <laughs> I was like, are you on their sign-out list? <laughs> I'm on most of their sign-out list. <laughs> so the, <laughs> But that's a testament that that their parents trust you and that you've done such a great job. So while we talk about, you know, they trust you with reason, but what's been the most challenging part of discipling young people? Uh, Wow. Um, The most challenging part of discipling is honestly um, when you feel like it didn't impact Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had several now who've graduated and they go off to college and, you know, as a youth leader, you pray that they stick with it mm-hmm. and that they continue having a relationship with the Lord and that they find new places to get planted in or they stay planted, you know, if they're nearby where you're at. But so often, I mean, a lot of times it's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's the age where people generally start experimenting without it if they you know they did have it and you know it can it can feel really discouraging seeing that happen because mm-hmm. you feel like you don't do enough what could i have done better did i fail them you know all this stuff and it can you can really get in your own head and think i'm not doing a good job god mm-hmm. why did you call me here um i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i'm not wise enough yeah um but you have to remember though too is that it's everyone's individual journey. And mm-hmm. as long as you're loving them the way Christ would and giving them the gospel truth and what the word says, you just have to continue praying and have faith that they end up on the right path again somewhere down the road. And right. It's you can 
someone told me, I don't even remember who told me this, but I talk about it all the time. And it's just that simple phrase we've all probably heard, though. You know, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. Mm-hmm. You can lead the kids to Christ. You can you can show them what a life looks like, what it means to be a disciple, but you can't force it. And you just have to pray that in God's timing that he'll bring them to that understanding. For sure. And so that's, But it's tough to remember that when you see your kids making decisions you know that are going to hurt them. Because mm-hmm. you hurt for them. Right. It, it hurts you to see them hurt. And that, it really is an emotional uh, job. It's an emotionally heavy job sometimes mm-hmm. because of that. Oh, for sure. So when you see when you see a youth that's kind of either going down the wrong path or they're struggling with something and you want to do you want to disciple them for our listeners who aren't in the role of youth pastor how could we go about that I think and this maybe seems like just the easy cop out answer but I mean the way to first start discipling is to just build relationship mm-hmm. um you know I think about the times that I've been again it is you know, it's thankfully my job. It can be a little easier sometimes because when it's your role, it's a lot easier to say, oh, yeah, I'm discipling because it's my job. It's hard to remember that when we're not paid to do it, that it really is all of our calls, all mm-hmm. of our jobs to be doing this. And so, but I mean, I start off when kids come to youth, I don't just start throwing the Bible in their face or shoving truth down their throat, but rather I'm, hey, nice to see you. You know, tell me about yourself. Oh, you like to play dodgeball? We're playing dodgeball, you know? <laughs> what, what's your favorite type of pizza, you know? Just making conversation and building a relationship first um, is one of the best ways. Because I think of Christ and what he did. Now, he called them to truth, and he called them out. Mm-hmm. And he did those things, but they had relationship. They ate together. They traveled alongside each other. I can only imagine they probably shared laughs together and... They had ups and downs together, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's how you can disciple people is by having an intentional relationship with someone who you want to try to grow spiritually. You feel God has called you to that person, and mm-hmm. so it's, but it's about starting relationship and then making opportunities and taking the naturally occurring ones to start sharing that type of wisdom. Yeah. Just, again, making the opportunity and actually taking it when they do come up. Sometimes I don't intend on having a real spiritual talk with a kid, <laughs> but if it comes up, I'm taking it. Yeah. And some of my best conversations are when just a kid randomly has a question out of out of the blue. And then you've got, I mean, they're, you're discipling. Mm-hmm. You know, you take that chance. You take that step. And God will give you the words to say. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the perfect words either. Just... The just God's words with the right intention, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and it sounds a lot easier than it is. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be tough to disciple, especially when they don't want to hear it, but starting that relationship and even if maybe it doesn't seem like you're being fruitful at the time, continue speaking that truth and showing that love. And who knows, you might just be, the person planting a seed that someone else will reap the harvest for later. Yeah. And that's all we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, say it a little louder for the people in the back. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So if you had to define discipleship, how would you define it? 
Define discipleship. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't. Was that one on my list of questions? So, I'm not. So prepared. I gave I gave Riley a list of questions, but of course I always think of these unique ones. <laughs> uh, I would say I would personally define discipleship as kind of what we've said: intentional relationship with others, but with the focus of like following Christ. Mm-hmm. So you have to follow Christ first. So you have to start discipleship starts with you being a disciple. Yeah. If you're not a disciple, you're not going to truly disciple others. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are times that I mm-hmm. fell at that. I'm not going to sit here and act like, Oh yeah, I'm a great disciple of Christ. I mess up, mm-hmm. you know, but with that right intention and just trying to keep your mindset in that, I remember I'm following someone, now I'm grabbing someone else to bring with me to follow. Love that. So it's not about me trying to be the leader of this person, just me trying to help them follow the leader that I'm following Mm -hmm. to and bringing them along that journey and walking them through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we oftentimes have the wrong idea of discipleship as always being this really formal thing uh, or like a program or it has to be someone older to younger. Mm -hmm. There are times that I feel like honestly – my youth have spoken to me. Yeah. They've taught me what discipleship looks like through things they've done. Or I have one kid in particular who's graduated, and if he ever hears this, he'll know that I'm talking about him. <laughs> um, he used to just call me out. Like, he didn't care. Um, and we always had an interesting relationship, to say the least, but we're... I mean, he calls me in college now, and he asks me questions, and we have this great relationship where it's like we're brothers Mm -hmm. and there's, I mean, there is hurt in discipleship. There have been times that he has been mad at me or I've been upset with him. But at the end of the day too, it's, we know, we know who we're following. We know Mm -hmm. who we're worshiping. And so you, you push through those things, you work through those things in a godly manner and you continue to work. And I'm so glad that he has helped shape me and, I'm glad that I've had the chance to shape him. Yeah. And so that's I think discipleship will turn into that. As you disciple people, you also are going to be discipled either by those people in small ways or you need to be being discipled by other people mm-hmm. as well. I don't know if that fully I think I went on a little bit of a, a side okay. comment there, but um <laughs> but yeah, discipleship is simply you following Christ and helping others along the way do the same. Yeah. To enter into that walk with you. I love that. And I love what you mentioned about, you know, that it's a growing part for both parties involved and that there can be hurt involved. And it doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path if there is hurt involved. But you, you know, both stay like keep your eyes on the cross and you keep moving and you keep progressing and you keep growing that relationship. And but that's I feel like that's the very thing that's like the glue that makes relationships even stronger. Right. Is getting through a disagreement or a disappointment or just hard times together. I mean, and that's, to me, if you look at, you know, the 12 disciples, Mm -hmm. they bickered. You know, they argued. Like, sometimes their selfishness got in the way. They wanted to say, well, who is the greatest or who is the most loved? Um, It was John. Was it John? (laughs) John, you know, John really thinks highly of himself. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, um, they had these conversations and they didn't always get along, but... You know, they stayed together and still served, Mm -hmm. and they served one another, too, because of that common goal, that common person, which was Christ, Mm -hmm. being 
they're in their relation, literally in the midst of their relationships with yeah. Christ, the physical embodiment, you know, of God. And so, you know, though we don't have Christ physically here with us, you know, we do have the Spirit. So mm-hmm. the same Spirit that is in me is in you and is in these people. And so we have to remember as we disciple, you know, that we're unified in that. Mm-hmm. And so even in times where we do get selfish or maybe they get selfish, someone wrongs someone else or just along the way there's disagreement, you know, in the end, you know, we're growing mm-hmm. and there's pain and growth and there's mistakes along the way because we're human. So discipleship isn't a program and it's not a certain study, but it's it's intentional relationship. and. It. Real, genuine relationships, mm-hmm. like with my wife, it's not always pleasant. You know, we have arguments. You and me have had our fair share of mm-hmm. disagreements in the past. You know, real relationships aren't fake facades. You know, we don't yeah. need to try to disciple people trying to put on that mask, our church mm-hmm. face, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're real people trying to disciple real people. And when we can do that, I think that's when we'll see discipleship more. Yeah. In the body of Christ. Oh, man. Did y'all hear that? I'm just like real people discipling real people, but that's mm-hmm. what it is. And I think sometimes that we can get bogged down into that, the, that, the church face, as mm-hmm. you said, of like, what is this supposed to look like? But really what it looks like is what you've just described. It's just being real and letting other people know that we can, we can be Christians, Christ followers and disciples who are facing real struggles uh-huh. and real hardships, and we can still do it even even through it all because we we serve a God that allows for that, yeah. that meets us in our in our darkest hour, and, and you know brings those people beside us to help lift us up or to sometimes call us out. Um, <laughs> a lot of times it's that one, y'all. Be ready for that one. <laughs> if, look, if y'all haven't listened to our episode on "Stay Ready," so you don't have to get ready. I'm just. This is your plug to go ahead and go back to listen to that one because um, that is very real. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, so we're talking about discipleship and that it's a really unique profession to be a part of, but also um, what is it, what's the most rewarding part of being a youth pastor? That's not the most rewarding part of being a youth pastor. I'm getting ahead of myself. What's the most, um, oh my gosh, y'all, I cannot read my own notes. Um, wow. Let me back up. So we're seeing a lot of church burnout. And right now we're seeing a lot of things happening within the church, just like in this modern day. What do you think really contributes to that church burnout? Um, huh. Y'all, it's about to get real. Uh, <laughs> no, I think a lot of times one one thing, of course, is burnout happens when you're not being fueled yourself. Mm. And so, so often in ministry, you know, for example, there have been times that I've experienced this feeling of burnout when I realize that I'm not, I don't have a relationship with Christ like I should. Mm-hmm. My focus gets on I'm reading this Bible passage to to make a lesson for my youth or a devotional for Thursday morning or for a sermon on a Sunday filling in. You mm-hmm. know, it gets so much to being like, this is job, this is job, this is job, yeah. instead of this is my personal relationship with Christ. And so, of course, when you're not being fueled and you're trying to give and give and give of yourself, Mm -hmm. you run out. You can't give anymore, and we can't rely on our own strength, and Mm -hmm. that's where the issue comes in. So I think a lot of times, I mean, ministers burn out because they're trying to run on their own fuel and not Christ, the Spirit, you know, that fuel, that passion, that boldness and endurance and patience (laughs) to keep you going. And so... 
I think that has a lot to do with it. And two, I will say burnout also comes from, you know, church hurt. Mm. Um, I had never experienced church hurt until I began working in a church. Mm -hmm. I loved my church family. I've grown up, like I said, in this church generations now. Yeah. Um, I've been here and something happened a few years ago that just, it hurt. Yeah. People that have seen me grow up and have always said all these nice things and been so kind, suddenly were saying things differently. Yeah. And instead of coming to me or asking about it or, you know, addressing it or just whatever, like, you know, they they went back and just kind of like lashed out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us have probably been there. We've been hurt by people in the church. And so when it happens to you as a minister, I mean, not to say it hurts more, but in my experience, it it did. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but so it hurt. And it's like, you know, it's like, do I really want to keep doing this? Yeah. Or it almost makes you weary too. It makes you start doubting, like, can I trust these people? Are these people mm-hmm. real? Are these the people who I've been serving with or are they fake? Yeah. You know? And so it really will start trying to burn you out fast because Satan will get a hold of any type of division in the church and try to tear down a leader mm-hmm. or a prominent person who is leading, you know? And so, I mean, you have to be careful of that as a minister to make sure you're being fueled, but also remember your mission. I'm a people pleaser. And so anyone being upset with me in this situation, they weren't even really upset with me. They were upset with another individual. I just kind of got pulled into it. Uh But even just being on kind of like the side of the burner still got burnt. Yeah. And it hurt. And, but I had to remember that it's not my job to always please everyone. Christ Mm. did not please everyone he encountered. In fact, discipleship and, Serving God oftentimes will bring obstacles and it will bring hurt and it will bring unpopular opinions, especially in a culture today where serving Christ is makes you a bigot, some people's words, or it makes you, I can't even think of the words now, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like It's yeah. not a popular opinion to be a follower of Christ anymore. Mm-hmm. Not a true follower of Christ, that right. is. And so, you know, you just have to be careful to remember who you're serving, what your mission is, and to make sure you have a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. You can't just be pushing other people towards Christ. You have to be actively pursuing Christ yourself. Right. And it can be hard when you are getting caught up in the lives of all your flock Mm -hmm. and trying to be all these things. But then also at the end, you have to remember you've got to get rest. You need to seek Christ and avoid that burnout so God can continue using you as well. Right. So you've mentioned a couple of things about how we can, you know, um, being in the word yourself and, you know, making sure that you're being fed. But what are some other tangible ways if someone is experiencing burnout, not only just like as someone working in ministry, but just as an individual? I think the most important thing is community Mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll say if you don't have a community get one. Yeah. I'm very thankful to have a community, I mean, of close friends and a family. And thankfully, you know, um, our head pastor, Isaac, he's always been great of checking in on me, mm-hmm. being there if I'm struggling with something, you know, like get people to walk with you. Yeah. Because 
I mean, it was a literal thing, but I think it's beautifully symbolic that the disciples walked with Christ and Christ walked with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God walks with us. The Spirit dwells within us and it unifies us. And as we walk together, we have that walk. And so even though we might have different struggles, we've probably all been felt certain things others have felt before. And so often we try to keep our relationship like with Christ, like, well, it's just my relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have that. But I think the Bible is also clear that we're called to grow in the midst of a church. Mm -hmm. We're not each called to be one full body of Christ as an individual, but just small members of it. Yeah. So, you know, if God calls me, Riley, you're, you're a mouth, you know, for the body, you know, I need a face to support that mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that face needs a head to sit on and that head needs a neck to hold it. And so, you know, like we were made to be together. Like, mm-hmm. and so often people think they can grow in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. And we have times where we do need to be alone. Christ went and he had alone time. He meditated. He prayed, you know. He, he sought out the Father individually. But then there was also all that time. Of course, he wasn't growing. You know, he was God. But, you know, he was in fellowship with other people, mm-hmm. his disciples. And his disciples were in fellowship with each other. And as they went and grew churches out of that, again, you saw small bodies mm-hmm. who could collect together. So if you feel burnt out in your relationship or you feel like you're just struggling, reach out and talk because I'm sure there are people who feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And just having people to go alongside you and support you and encourage you can oftentimes give you the motivation and God will speak through those people. Mm-hmm. You'll hear the words you need to hear when you surround yourself with godly people who want to support you. Mm-hmm. So get a community. Your relationship is an individual relationship, but it is also important to have those supports in your life. That's good. That's But that's the truth. And what you all don't know is that, I mean, not only have Riley and I been the best of friends, but, but we do have a tribe, and, and there's several of us that are close, and it's crazy that our friendship has lasted 10-plus years. I jokingly mm-hmm. say, they, statistically, they say that after seven years, you're like friends for life. And I'm like, well, y'all can't get rid of me now. But We're here. <laughs> exactly. We a whole pack. I know. It's wild. And, um, you know, Sarah and Sarah's in my tribe, and I'm so thankful to have those that, that do walk life with me. Um, and I know that sometimes you kind of wonder, like, oh, my gosh, where am I going to find these people? But I do firmly believe that if you call on the Lord and you're like, God, I'm looking for your people. Please, like, reveal them to me or allow me to be that person for someone else. He will answer that call. Mm-hmm. That is a call. He's actively called us to that, not just for a season, but for our entire lives, to be in community with his people. Um, and there's so much strength and wisdom and um, just support that we can draw from that. So before I jumped the gun earlier, I was going to ask, you know, what's been the most rewarding part of being a youth pastor, I'm sure a lot of your memories you draw from come from being in that community with these young people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm annoying to people sometimes because I realize the majority of my stories are centered around, like, the church and the youth <laughs> specifically. They're probably just like, just shut up, Riley. Like, we don't care. No <laughs> like, said that. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I'm like that sometimes. But, no, it's the most rewarding thing is just, just seeing the growth. Yeah. 
you know, seeing kids who came in, you know, I love the stories of, I have these kids oftentimes who are just so quiet and shy when they first get there. And I always make that my goal to like, I'm going to make those kids talk to me. And I would just do the most absurd things or just go up and just ask random questions to make them talk, like completely irrelevant, like who's your favorite superhero and why? And just make them give me that answer. Like, mm-hmm. and sometimes just for fun, I would be like, well, they're not even that great. You know, get, get them <laughs> riled up and get them talking. And then, you know, to seeing them go from these, you know, these shy kids who you have to kind of force to talk to these, by the time they graduate, young men and women who have relationships with Christ and who share that relationship with others. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had Youth Sunday today, um, and so I got to see several of my my kids up there, you know, using their gifts for God. Yeah. And some of these kids used to not would even play in front of the church or would speak, and they stepped up and they did it. And even if it was nervously done or even if it wasn't, you know, perfectly said, it's just amazing to see them grow and to be able to just say you were a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hardest parts of this job, and I feel like I've already said stuff, is seeing them leave. Yeah. Um, and so it does hurt when they leave and they graduate and you don't see them as much and they're off in the you know the real world, you know, <laughs> trying to figure things out. But it's so rewarding when you see them figuring it out and still keeping God in the center of that. Mm-hmm. And realizing like, hey, you know, I don't, need to be their youth pastor anymore, mm-hmm. but I have helped in that yeah. and God's going to use them. And I got to be a small part of that journey mm-hmm. and that's super rewarding. And I wouldn't, I make jokes about being broke all the time because in <laughs> ministry, it always feels like you're broke, but I wouldn't trade anything for it. It's so much more rewarding than a nice car or a huge house, you know, just being able to be a part of so many awesome young people's lives is phenomenal. And so, I mean, discipleship, though it has been hard, and there have been times I've gone home and honestly I've cried and I've been hurt or I've been exhausted. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all worth it. And God always reminds me that this call is bigger than me. It's Mm -hmm. bigger than any person he calls to it. Mm -hmm. And that if we'll just stay faithful and just keep going along, He'll use us, oh, yeah. and we will we will find blessing in that far greater than blessings we try to bring on ourselves. Oh, for sure. You're absolutely right. Also, I just keep, I laugh to myself because I'm like, I can just imagine Riley in heaven. God's like, I got your Prius. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm driving a Prius down these streets of gold. <laughs> got me my Prius. I have a Prius, and I love it, and if you have a Prius... Yeah, you, I know you agree with me. It's, they're great. If you don't have a Prius, you're missing out. <laughs> that's too funny. But, you're, yeah, that's that's so good. Um, what is something that you wish people knew about your job? That it's a job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so often I have people make jokes and comments. I know oftentimes they're jokes, but there are people who seriously think that youth ministry is just babysitting mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. and um you know it's so much more than that mm-hmm. you know it's i mean everything you do and think of i mean there's there's intention behind it and so even though maybe it's enjoyable or it's fun you know going to a soccer game for example there are some nights 
I don't honestly want to go to a soccer game. I would rather stay home <laughs> or save my money from driving an hour and a half and yeah. um, paying to see a game and having to eat out and, you know, all this stuff. Like, it can be costly and it can cost time and energy. But, you know, I will never forget the day that I had someone come up to me from another church and they said, yeah, our kids just notice how much you're at games. And they were like, yeah, our youth pastor hasn't done that at all. And I was like, I'm not trying to start anything oh, no. here. But it means a lot. And yeah. people notice mm-hmm. when you're making that investment. And it just means so much to the kids. And it's something small like that. Mm-hmm. And so people would be like, oh, well, that's that's nothing. You know, that's, that's whatever. It's like, but it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Taking them out to play tennis and teaching them how so they can join their high school team. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe it's fun. And I enjoy it. But that doesn't mean it's not a job. You yeah. know, like... A lot of my job just looks different. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is, I think, for youth ministers and all kinds of ministers is people think that you just have all this free time or that Isaac only works on Sundays because he preaches. But mm-hmm. there's so much more to it that people don't see planning and praying and, you know, doing all these things within the church and outside the church for the week that people just don't even know. Mm-hmm. And because it, it's not about people knowing. And that's the thing. I'm not going to get on Facebook and post, yeah, I, I helped someone on the street today and I spend an hour or two helping them. Like, there have been days where we've done stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it says, get in your closet and pray. When you're fasting, make sure you still look nice. Like, I'm Ooh, not out here okay. trying to get people to validate. You know, I'm serving God and, you know, like, get over it, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm not going to yeah. be bragging about it, though, along right. the way. So it can be just frustrating when people think that you just don't do anything. Yeah. And really, your job job's just different. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's what's rewarding about ministry is it is, yeah, I mean, it has a lot of perks, but again, people also don't see the emotional and spiritual draining mm-hmm. that it is sometimes too. So it's a trade out, but, but yeah, it's a job. <laughs> no, that's so real. So, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It is a job, but it's also something that we can all do. We all have some capacity to, to support somebody else in our lives, at least at, at a very minimum, one other person um, that we can show up for. And we have a saying that, you know, to show up and show out. But, you know, that just means to, to be bring your best self forward. And I know that any investment that you make into the kingdom and that discipleship work counts as an investment into the kingdom, it will never mm-hmm. return void. Like, not one time has it ever let me down. And there have been times when you're just like, I'm dreading this. Like, I don't want to go to this game. I don't want to call this person. They text me and they're like, can we talk? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yes. (laughs) You're like, I've had a stressful day at work and I'm so tired, but I'm going to call them back. I will carve out some time. And every single time it just like, I find myself either blessed or the Lord is like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, you were right. It's all great. I really appreciate it. Forgive me and my selfish heart. Um, but there's so much reward whenever you're in this in this field. So if you're on the other side and you are um, you're an adult now, you know, and I know that you have Isaac here to, and so many others like your grandma and, and Mike and, and others here in the church and outside of the church who help serve it like on your discipleship team, the people that, you know, pour into you. If you don't have somebody to pour into you, how can you find that? Well, obviously one of the best things to do is just, I mean, look, 
look at your circle first. You know, mm-hmm. look at the people kind of already in your life and see if there's someone who just stands out. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who is really after the Lord mm-hmm. and you know that. And it sounds weird, but honestly, just address them, like to ask to be someone to help hold you accountable. Yeah. Or just kind of break that barrier. Maybe you've never had like a real spiritual talk with them before, but just go to that person. Because mm-hmm. if you know they're serving the Lord, they're going to hear you, mm-hmm. you know, when you seek out, like, hey, I need someone mm-hmm. to help me. I need someone to hold me accountable. I need someone to teach me the ways of Christ. Like, people like that will do that. But if you don't have anyone, maybe already in your family or your friends, maybe you're just kind of following Christ seemingly, a, you know, alone right now. I mean, that's where I think it's important to get involved in a church. Mm-hmm. And I know there is a lot of, I don't know what our demographic here is. I don't know how many of you are in church or not. I know that there is a lot of ill will and hard feelings towards the church because mm-hmm. of church hurt. And y'all, I get it. And I don't agree with a lot of things either that yeah. the capital C church of America does. Like I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> um, but no, find a, find a church that you feel is serving God in the best of their abilities. And that's mm-hmm. not always the biggest church and it's not always the most fancy, but find a church that you feel is seeking God the way you understand it to be right mm-hmm. and find people in that church to connect with. Yeah. Because again, you have to have community. Just trying to be spiritual alone isn't going to happen. Not truly. You can grow for a while and you will be stunted because you alone I mean, can't do anything. We need God and we need his people. Mm-hmm. So again, get involved in a church. If you don't have those people already in your life and find those people, mm-hmm. You know, there's so many great things, too, like things like small groups. Our church has small groups, and we have a couple, and the people in those small groups love them. Yeah. Um, I wish I could be in one. Um, Sunday (laughs) nights is when they meet, and, of course, I'm with the youth. So, um, but, no, I do love being with the youth. That's, But it's a a cool thing, and, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a great ministry. And I know my wife is in one, and she she loves her small group. Mm -hmm. And she can go to them when things are hard or... You know, she just went through a job change or like interview and stuff. And when she was nervous and needing prayer, she could lean on those people. Mm-hmm. So just find people, get involved somewhere. And if you're praying and you're seeking, God will open some doors. He will bring some people in Won't your he path. Do it? He will. Be careful what you pray for. He, he'll bring it. Mm-hmm. So pray for it and start taking those steps. And again, just it takes some effort on our parts. Too. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to take those steps out into those open waters, out into where it seems scary or yeah. awkward. I know I'm not the best at talking sometimes, <laughs> especially to new people. And yeah, I mean, it can be scary to try to go up to people and try to find spiritual leaders. But I mean, once you do, though, mm-hmm. it's it's, re- it's rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's what we need. So find those people for sure. So um, as we're coming to a close, any last advice that you have for someone who is in ministry or who's looking to get into ministry and to do that true discipleship work? Um, I think one of the things I remind myself and, and for people in ministry or heading to it, just remember, and we've kind of already said it, but it's about genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. I see so many churches trying to promote these big, fancy 
kids programs or youth programs and these events and these giveaways and all this stuff that maybe does have some good intention. I don't know, but it's just, it's really easy when you're trying to be in ministry to try to start measuring your success by numbers, Mm. by how much money you bring in, how many people are at your service or in your youth group. And quite honestly, I could care less Mm -hmm. because if I have three kids who want to actively seek the Lord and they want to disciple people and they're out there doing it, give me the three any day over the 75, 150 kids who are there because they want to play dodgeball and eat some pizza, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so just don't get caught up in the numbers. Don't get caught up in trying to be so formulated and programmatic that it's not real. Yeah. I don't think Jesus walked around. He did everything with intention, but it again, it wasn't anything fancy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't throwing up a building saying, hey, everyone, come to me. Let's get some numbers in here. Let's do some this. Let's have a concert. Jesus just went out and served. Yeah. And people were drawn to that. Mm-hmm. The gospel doesn't need our help. Okay. Like, the gospel is strong enough on its own. Mm-hmm. God's word is the thing that changes people. So if you're just going out, you're making relationship, you're doing that, there will be fruit. It might not be immediate. You might not see it at first, but it will happen. Go ahead. And that's what we need. We need less people trying to make the biggest and best blank. Seeing people serving and yeah. doing. That's that's what the church needs. And so mm, mm, mm. I'm going to lay that there. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. No, that's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. That that's something to chew on and just to be mindful of because it is easy to make it about the numbers. Um, but Riley, I want to thank you so much for for being on the podcast today. Um, well, what you all you. don't know is years and years ago we're like we're going to have a podcast that's going to be called Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> this is like bringing up our fourteen year old dreams. But... There we go. We've accomplished it, even though it's on Chosen Girl. Here we are. <laughs> Plug, Chosen Girl. Yeah, that's right. But um, ladies and, and all of our listeners, thank you all so much for joining us for another Tell Me About It Tuesday. Don't forget that we um, to check out our Instagram, to leave us um, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google, wherever you like to listen, um, and meet us right back here next Tuesday for another episode of Tell Me About It. Love you guys so much. See you next time. That's it for today, fam. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to rate and subscribe. And don't forget to visit us on Instagram at Chosen Girl Movement or on our website to see our merch and free resources. And meet us back here next Tuesday.